0: So Max Licato tells a story about a young girl named Christina who lived with her mom on the outskirts of Rio de Janeiro. And Rio is like most big cities in the world. It has a a lot of different kinds of people, including some high crime areas and an extensive red light district. Well, Christina's a teenager, and her mom knew that she was unhappy. And so she kept telling Christina, don't go away to the city. She kept warning her about some of the dangers that she would find in Rio. But playing the part of the stubborn teenager, Christina did leave. She did go to the city. And her mom was scared because she hadn't come back for several days. She, she, so mom goes and she starts searching all the worst parts uh, of Rio that she was familiar with. She went from place to place looking in the streets for her daughter, but couldn't find her. So on the verge of giving up, she decided she would do one last thing before she headed home. She took pictures of herself and she wrote a little message on the back of each picture. And then she posted them in the brothels all over the darkest places of the city. Then she went home and worried about her daughter. Well, Christina, unfortunately, did end up in one of those brothels. And she came across something you probably would never want to see in a place like that. And that's a picture of your mom on the wall. So she took the picture of her mom off. And and as she looked at the back, she saw this written on it. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, please come home. And Christina did. She went home. Jesus has, is, is on a mission to forgive sinners, to build relationships with them. He's still inviting people all over the world, all kinds of people, people like you and me, to turn from their sin and to come home to him. And he's left photos of himself all over the world. He's left these little pictures with a message on them in, in every country, in every neighborhood, in every workplace, and those pictures are you and me. The pictures that tell people what Jesus is like is us. Because every genuine Christian is a photo of Jesus. And we've all had this message attached to us. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, please come home. See, we communicate something about Jesus with our life we are his pictures in a sinful, broken world. And so how we live really matters. It's matter. It matters that we live in a way to tell people accurately what God is like. See, if we're gonna talk about God's generosity, then you and I need to be generous with our finances to those in need. If we're gonna talk about how God forgives, then you and I, need to forgive those people in our life who've hurt us. If, if we're going to tell people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, then we need to live our lives where we embrace truth and reject deception. Because the reality is that a divided, gossiping church has nothing to say to a divided, fractured world. A, a sexually immoral church doesn't have anything to say to a sexually confused church world. A church that's full of corruption and discrimination has nothing to say to a world that's got all the same stuff in it. A church that's consumed with power and wealth has nothing to say to greedy tyrants. The reality is that that no one wants to hear the good news from a church that is bad news. So when we fail to follow Jesus, of course we hinder our own relationship with him But even more than that, we also keep people from understanding what God is like. We keep other people from following Jesus. Because whether it's fair or not, and it's probably not usually fair, we still know that it's true, that we look at a person and judge the groups they belong to based on them. We look at their life and then draw conclusions about the people that they are associated with. So we know that sometimes that happens uh, in the church too, right? That, that sometimes that, that we are proud to be Christians because of the way that Christians live their lives. When Christians are humble and kind and generous, when, when Christians are excellent at their work, when they handle themselves with poise and courage in the middle of suffering, then we are glad to be known as a follower of Jesus, a friend just shared with me uh, a week ago that he, he was in a meeting in his office here in town. He's been a part of the crossing for a long time. And he said it was a group of about 35, 40 people. And, and they were talking about all kinds of different topics. And it wasn't about faith or church or anything, right? It's just a business meeting. And, and they said, what's something happening in Columbia that you think is really cool? What are people doing out in our community? And one person raised their hand and said, well, you know, the crossing... Paid off everybody's medical debt. And I just thought that was really cool. And another person who, who doesn't go to church here said, Yeah, and they paid off all the people's utility debt who are on the disconnect list. That was pretty amazing. And he said at that time, he, he was proud to be a Christian, right? Because here people are seeing how Christians are living. They're seeing how you are sacrificially generous for people you don't know, expecting nothing in return. You are kind to people in need. Now, now notice what they didn't say. They didn't say, hey, boy, that crossing, they have a really cool building with an awesome gym, right? They didn't say they've got great programs. Now, a, a, a building and programs are really important to the mission, But what got their attention was your kindness and your generosity toward people who were in need. So we know what it's like to be proud, enthusiastic about wanting to be a Christian, be uh, associated with Christians. But unfortunately, we also know what it's like to be on the other end of that, to be embarrassed to be known as a Christian. Maybe this is when there are new scandals that break in the news involving Christian leaders. And that happens all too frequently, and all of them are serious. Or or maybe it's when we see someone ranting on social media. They're going off on Facebook about this, that, and the other. That's their normal thing. They do it all the time, and they prominently have Christian displayed in their bio. By the way, if that's you, could you please stop doing that? So, So we all see it. Those kind of things, and we're like, yeah, I don't know if I want people to know I'm a Christian. Now, here's the deal. If I were God, I would not have chosen the plan he did. I wouldn't have chosen his plan to let people know what he's like. I wouldn't have chosen his plan to tell the world about Jesus. I would not have chosen his plan to demonstrate his love and his grace and his kindness. If I were him, I would not have attached my message to us. But the Bible is really clear. That's exactly what God decided to do. He chose to use us to tell people what he's like. We're in Ephesians 6 today. It's our last sermon in this series through this book. It's been a fantastic ride. And here's how Paul gets to the end of what he wants to say to us. He says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So it's kind of known as the four alls, right? All occasions, all kinds, all times, for all of the Lord's people. He continues. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So in the earlier chapters of Ephesians, we saw Paul praying for the church. And now as the book closes, he's asking the church to pray for him. Now, notice that he calls himself an ambassador in chains. The reason he calls himself an ambassador in chains is because he wrote this book from a Roman prison. Now, think about this. Here, you're the Apostle Paul. You're out there. You're trying to minister and tell people about Jesus. Now you're in prison because of your faith. So, so here you are writing to people and asking these Christians to pray for you. What do you think would be on the top of your prayer l- list? Well, I know it would be on the top of mine. God, get me out of this prison, Right? I mean, that would be the first thing I'd want people to pray for. Get me out of this dark, dangerous, dirty Roman prison. But that's not what Paul asked for. Uh, Paul's in prison, not just on this occasion, but on other occasions too. He, He goes days without food. He gets beaten for his faith. Sometimes he's beaten so bad that they think he's dead. And yet you never once find Paul praying for release or praying for health or praying for his circumstances to improve. Why? Why do Paul's prayers sound so different than my prayers? Well, prayer always reveals your values. The things you pray for are the things you value, the things that you think are really important. I mean, after all, that's why you're setting aside time that you could be doing something else to pray about these things. And unfortunately, if you were to listen in on my prayers, what you would find is that I value... Me, right? Because that's what is the center of a lot of my prayers, right? The center of my prayers are, are my health and my finances and my comfort and my family and my successes and my needs and my challenges and my wants. So if, if prayer reveals what we really value and think is important, what you find out from my prayers is that I value me. What you find out from Paul's prayers is that he values people coming to faith in Jesus. He closes this book saying pray for me so that I can be a better ambassador to people. Because what he cares about is not his comfort, not his freedom, and not his health, and all those circumstances, he cares about people loving and following Jesus. And at the heart of this prayer is that he says he's an ambassador of Jesus. But it's not just Paul that's an ambassador. We all are Jesus's ambassadors. Look at what Paul writes in another book, 2 Corinthians. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You and me, we're Christ's ambassadors. And here's what we do. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So it's not just Paul, it's all of us that should think about ourselves as being ambassadors of Jesus. But what does he mean that we're ambassadors of Jesus? Well, we kind of understand what it means to be an ambassador of a nation, right? In our country, the president, he, 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 the president chooses ambassadors and the Senate confirms them and then they go out and represent United States interests in foreign countries, right? So we get an idea of, of what an ambassador, they take a message from a home country and go try to make it known in a, a host country. So what does it take to be a good ambassador? Well, one of the things it takes is adapting to that host country without losing your loyalty to your home country, right? It's not an easy thing to do, but think about it. If you go to be an ambassador in a a new country and you don't learn the language, you don't learn any of the customs, well, you're not going to be very effective at your job, right? In some ways, you've got to go and be like the people that you're living around. And yet at this very same time, you've got to remember, I've got to be loyal to my home country, so I can't be totally like them. There's going to be some ways I'm like them, in some ways I'm unlike them. So it is, in a sense, with us. If we're going to be an ambassador for Jesus in this world, there are going to be ways that we're like people that we live around, but there are going to be ways that we're unlike them because our loyalty isn't ultimately to, to them. It's to our, to our home country where we're citizens first in heaven. So we're going to be like and unlike them. Like we might be like them, and that we care about our city and we want to improve, or we might be like them, and that we care about our schools and want it to work for kids and teachers and parents. We might be like them, and that we care about our jobs and do them with excellence, or that we're fun people to hang out with and spend time with. And yet, at the same time, we we have to be unlike them. Like maybe depends on the person, but maybe we're unlike them in that we're going to live our life by the biblical sexual ethic. We're going to live our marriages under the commands of Christ. We are going to. To, to talk differently, laugh at different kinds of, of, of jokes. We're gonna be the most generous people. In other words, we're gonna say no to things our neighbors do, whether it's vacation or spending money in, in, in a number of ways, so that we can say yes to generosity. We're gonna be quick to forgive others. If we're employers, we might be unlike them in that we want to, to treat our employees with dignity and respect and a, and a fair wage. If we're the employee, we might be unlike them because we're not just trying to get a paycheck, but we're doing our work un- to God. So, so if, if we're going to be Jesus' ambassadors here, we're going to be effective. We've got to be like and unlike the people we live around. But, but there's more to it than that. I, and I, I really think this was important. It, ambassadors don't get to choose our assignment. right? We're, we're God's ambassadors. We don't get to choose where we are assigned. We just have to be faithful to be his ambassador wherever he puts us. I mean, Paul ends up in prison, right? And, and when he's in prison, he writes this letter to the Ephesians, but he writes more than just this one letter. He writes other letters too. And he writes this one letter to a, to a, a church in Philippi. It's called the letter to the Philippians. And I wanna show you what he wrote there. So here it goes, Philippians 1. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now what's happened to him that's caused the gospel, the message about Jesus, to go forward? Well, he's going to tell us. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. See, there he is. He's, he's in chains for Christ. In other words, he's in, a, he, he's in prison because of his faith. And it turns out that this has actually uh, helped the gospel go forward go to the fast forward to the very end of Ephesians. And Paul writes this way, he says, all God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. So this is really cool. People in Caesar's household are coming to faith in Jesus. How did it happen? Did you catch how it happened? I mean, here's how it goes down. It's really important for us. So, So here's how it happened with Paul. And then we'll talk about how it happens with us. Paul's out talking about Jesus. He's following Christ. He gets put in prison for his faith. And you know what he keeps doing? Talking about Jesus. He keeps being God's ambassador because he knew he didn't get to choose his assignment. He didn't want to be in prison, but that's where God put him. So now he's got to be an ambassador in prison. So these guards are all watching him. They're watching how he, how he prays. They're watching how he interacts with other Christians, how he treats them. He, he's list, they're listening to him as he talks to people about Jesus. He's talking to them about Jesus. And it's not like Paul has an on-off switch with this ambassador thing. He thinks he's God's ambassador wherever he goes. So now that some of these guards are coming to put their faith in Jesus, they're becoming Christians because Paul's faithful representation of what Jesus is like. They say, well, I want to follow him. And the message of Jesus starts spreading among the guards until those in the palace guard start becoming Christians. And some of the palace guard, they they protect the royal family. They protect Caesar's family. And and so all of a sudden, these guards are talking about Jesus and people in Caesar's own household are coming to faith. So here is Caesar waging war against the Christians while the love of Jesus is popping up in his own house because people can't stop talking about this one who's changed their life. Wherever they go, they're his ambassador. And it all started because Paul knew he didn't get to choose his own assignment. When he got put in prison, he didn't know it was all going to go down this way, but he doesn't pout. He doesn't have a pity party. He doesn't despair. He doesn't get angry with God. He just says, okay, well, if God's put me in a prison, then there must be a reason. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to keep being an ambassador of of Jesus. So so now my question is, can God give you an assignment, maybe an assignment that you don't even want? Can he give you an assignment so that you'll be telling other people, new people about Jesus? You'll be a faithful ambassador for Jesus there. Like as God put Paul in prison, can God put you in, I don't know, if he has people in the cancer ward who, who he wants to hear about Jesus, can he put you there? That's not an assignment I want, God but I need a faithful ambassador there. What about in the unemployment line? That's not, a, that's not a job I want, God, but I have people there. Will you go be a faithful ambassador there? Will you trust me to put you where I need you in that neighborhood, at that job, in this family? Where can I put you so that, so that others will come to a, a, an accurate conclusion about God's love, about God's mercy, about God's truth? Back to Ephesians 6. Paul says, pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me. We'll come back to this in just a second, the rest of this verse. But just focus on this part at the top. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me. See, Paul has the same struggles in talking to people about Jesus that you and I do. It's just that Paul turns them into prayer requests. Right? Right? I mean, he doesn't know if he's got the right words to say. He doesn't know if, if, if he, he's gonna be able to answer everybody's questions exactly right. You ever felt that way? You ever felt, man, I'd like to invite this person to church or I, I'd like to see where they are spiritually or I'd like to talk to them about Jesus or something, you know, and, and, and you're like, well, I can't do that because I don't have all the answers and I don't know exactly how to say it and I'm clumsy with words and I don't think fast on my feet so I'm probably not the person. But here's the secret. Nobody's got the right words. Even the apostle Paul didn't have the right words. He couldn't answer everybody's question exactly perfectly. So what he did is he just prayed and then went for it. It's kind of like, I think of it like is the, when Jesus is going to feed the crowds, you know, the thousands of of people and the disciples come to him, they got like a couple fish and a little bit of bread and, and Jesus takes it and then multiplies that bread and fish to feed the whole crowd. I feel like that's how we're coming to Jesus with our words. I don't have the right words. I'm clumsy with words. There's so much I don't know. And we bring it all to Jesus. And then he takes it and he multiplies it. He makes it right so that people come to faith in him. He takes our little and turns it into something so much more. He uses ordinary people, not scholars. Ordinary sinners, not perfect people. Let's go back. To a part of that verse in in verse 20. He says, Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Do you know why he prayed that that he would declare it fearlessly? He, He wanted them to pray for him that he'd be fearless because he had fears. He was fearful, so he prayed that he would become fearless. You ever been fearful? Paul was. Ever maybe scared that, that yeah, I, I want to I take a step of faith. I want to invite this person. I want to talk to him, but, but I'm scared to death. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm scared of rejection. Maybe I'm scared of my reputation. You know, Paul understood. Or how about this? Maybe you're scared you're going to come across judgmental. And you, don't wanna, you, you know you got holes in your own life, and you don't want to come across like you're judging them, so you just keep quiet. Paul says, no, instead turn that into a prayer request. Ask your friends, pray yourself. God, I pray that I would have the courage that I wouldn't care about my reputation, but that I would step out in faith and humbly trust you to use it. I'm gonna bring the bread and I'm gonna bring the fish, but I gotta give it to you. And then you take and use it however you want. See, Paul wasn't some super courageous uh, Christian who was always ready with the right thing to say and always bold and never afraid. He had the same fears that you and I did. He said he prayed about it and then trusted God with it. Matthew five sixteen. Jesus says, "In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven." You see the connection that Jesus is making here. That that they would see your life and, and then turn to the Father. You see what he's saying is you are my photos in this world. You're telling people what I'm like. I've attached my message to you. Now, you live your life so that people might see and hear from you what I'm like. And I'm going to use you to bring people to me. There's a guy named Tim Winton. He's the uh, Australian novelist, like the best known novelist for quite some time in Australia. And he is obviously famous, well known. He's, he's also a Christian and people know that about him too. So Tim Winton was giving an interview to a magazine and the interviewer said, well, we know you're a person of faith. Tell us about that. How in the world did that start? Where does that come from? And so Tim went and told him. He said, when I was a young child, my father who was a police officer, was on motorcycle duty and he got hit by a drunk driver. He got knocked off his motorcycle and it did a lot of damage to him. He was in a hospital for a long time. He was in a coma for, for a number of days. And even when they released him and brought him home, everybody knew that he wasn't the same I mean, he couldn't really take care of himself. He was a shell of his former self. And we didn't know what to do. He said, my mom was particularly overwhelmed because how is she going to now care for this large man? She was small. She's thinking like, how do I even give him a bath? We're just at that point. How do I even do that? And he said, all of a sudden there's this knock at the door. And, And we answer the door and it's a guy named Lynn. And Lynn says, hey, I heard about the accident. I heard you're home. Any way I can help? And they said, well, you could help, sure, but here's the kind of things. Where we're like, we're trying to figure out how to give a guy a bath. And Lynn goes, oh, I think I can help, help. So he picked up this large former police officer, carried him to the bathroom, and gave him a bath. And then he kept coming back. Like, he, he would regularly come back and say, hey, how can I help? He'd give his dad a bath. And, you know, Tim Witten, was a young kid at the time. He watched this guy give his dad a bath. And he said it was just so powerful because here's this guy taking care of this sick man. And, and Lynn said, hey, what other ways can I help? Well, it turns out, turns out that Lynn was a Christian. The guy who knocked on the door and came to help was a Christian. He belonged to a church not too far from their house. And and Tim Winton tells the story. He said, his acts of service and humility and love and sacrifice affected my whole family and all of us became Christians and all of us started going to that church. Not because they had a great building. Not because they had fantastic programs. But because they loved and served people in the name of Jesus. Sometimes we make it too complicated, don't we? I'm positive that Lynn didn't think of himself as this courageous, you know, eloquent teacher. He just wanted to follow Jesus and help people in the name of Jesus and invite them to follow the same Savior that he followed. Look, I wouldn't have chosen this plan, but God did. He takes his message and he puts it on each one of us. And this is the message we have for the world. Whatever you've done, whatever you've become, Jesus welcomes sinners to come home to him. Let's pray. As we pray, I just wanna give you a moment to just pray for yourself. Ask God to grow you in your own faith so that you would live your life in a way that pleases him. Are there any people that God's put on your heart? Like any names or faces that have come to your mind that you thought, I I want to invite this person to church. I want to ask this person where they are spiritually. I want to talk to this person about Jesus. I don't know how to do it, but, but I just want to start praying for it now. Praying for that person that God would be at work in his or her life. Finally, are are you scared? Do you have fears about talking to people about Jesus? Fears they don't have the right words, or can't answer all their questions. Maybe you're just afraid for your reputation. Let's bring it to Jesus. Jesus, will you give us the words? Ask Him now. Jesus, will you give us the courage? Jesus, will you give us a love for other people that we would care about them and want the best for them and introduce them to you. Jesus, we thank you for your mercy. May we extend your grace and mercy to others. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.